Okay, well, we have arrived at the end of Advent, and who knows what we'll be speaking on this morning? (laughs) Love. Now, as I was putting the sermon together, I thought, how can I give the simplest message ever? This morning is the most simple message that you will ever hear. Is that okay? We good with that? And I started thinking, well, well, how do we talk about love? Because you can get really, really complicated, or you can keep it really simple. And as I was putting the sermon together, I thought, well, what exactly is love? Can you define love? Here's how the dictionary defines love. An intense feeling of deep affection. So when we talk about love, we're talking about an intense feeling of deep affection. Or here's another way that love is is defined, it's a great, having a great interest and pleasure in something. I don't know about you, but those definitions are a bit lacking for me. Anyone else agree? There is a depth to love that you really can't explain. You might try to find words for it. Maybe you're here with someone, maybe you have a partner, someone that you have been with for many, many years, and someone were to ask you, well, why do you love that person? Or maybe you have a, a great friend that you've been friend with, friends with, or it's a family member, and someone were to ask you, why do you love this person? You might struggle a little bit. You might give all these reasons. Well, because they're this, this, and this, and because we go back and we have this history and they supported me, and you kind of put words to it, but you realize that cannot convey the true essence of the love that you share for that person. And that's because I would argue that love goes beyond words. Love goes beyond that which you can define. And as we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks here at Advent, we've been looking at hope, peace, joy, and now this morning, love. As I have been putting these sermons together, and especially as I've been thinking about this sermon on love, I've realized All four of these words, these gifts, these themes of Advent, they're really hard to define. But chances are when you see it, you can point it out. So when you see love, oh, yeah, 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 that's what love looks like. That's what peace looks like. Or maybe you can feel it. You ever have a feeling of love? Again, you try to put it in words, but eh, it doesn't quite do it. Maybe you hit like three out of ten, but there's a feeling deep within you, and you know, oh, I, I, I love that person. Or you see it, and wow, the love that those two share, I, I can just feel the love coming off of that relationship. See, instead of defining hope, peace, joy, love, you have to experience them in order for you to know that they are true. There's a dictionary definition that is true, but then there's an experience that is, should we say, truly true? Can we say that? <laughs> it's beyond true. And the only way that you know it is by experiencing it and feeling it. Last week, we looked at the story of the shepherds. There were angels that came to the shepherds and they announced a message, a message of peace and of joy and of love and of hope. What did the shepherds do? They heard this message. They heard the truth. But just hearing it, 
that wasn't enough for them. They didn't memorize the message of the angels and just say, oh, that's great. Let's go back to our lives now. Let's go back to tending sheep. No, they heard this truth, but then they wanted to go and experience this truth for themselves. They heard about a message of joy, but it didn't just stay there at the surface level. They actually dropped everything because they wanted to know its truth. They wanted to experience it at a deeper level. And so they went, and then as we saw last week, they returned home with gratitude because they experienced a truth that they had been told. Maybe you're like me. And you've had experiences like this in your life. You've heard something that is true, but just hearing it didn't satisfy you. And you wanted to go and experience the truth that you had heard. See, love is not a truth that you can define. All these themes of Advent, hope, peace, joy, they are not truths that you can define. You can try it. You can put it down on paper, but in order to truly know its truth, you have to go and live it out. You have to experience it. You discover the truth of love by experience. So here's what we are experiencing in the story of Christmas. This is truth, words becoming flesh. And John, in his gospel, he has a beautiful way of talking about this. The movement, according to John in his gospel, the movement of Christmas is the word becoming flesh. Truth in words becoming truth in a person. God's saying, I don't simply want to hand people truths in words and in the Bible and in stories, but rather I want humanity to experience truth themselves. So the movement is from words to incarnation, from word to flesh. Here's how John says it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This is what Christmas is all about. Truth being embodied in a person, not in words, but in a real physical person. That is what we are celebrating today, 2,000 years later. God coming in the flesh. God making his presence known here, not through stories and words, but in something that you can actually touch and feel and experience. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this verse in his translation called The Message. He says this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. God moved into the neighborhood. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of this movie. <laughs> now, we introduced our kids to Elf this year. They loved it. Reese couldn't get enough of it. We have a kid's story. We, Steph was reading it to him, and then he said, I want to watch this movie. This is what Elf is all about. You have Buddy the Elf who lives in the North Pole. And then he makes the trek from the North Pole. He goes through the seven layers of candy. I don't even remember how the whole thing goes. I'm sure some of you probably have that memorized. Anyone? Elf is your favorite Christmas story? You haven't watched it? Maybe in Boston. All right. <laughs> 
you have this elf who lives in the North Pole, but then he moves to a foreign land, New York City. He moves to the big city, and he's trying to figure out, how do I navigate through this city? Because he's not used to it. He's moving into the neighborhood, and everyone is a bit shocked because he's quite different. He doesn't know his way around. He doesn't know the customs. He doesn't know how to interact with people. He's a little bit awkward pretty much his entire time in the big city. The story of Christmas is about God coming, we could say, from a foreign land, from someplace distant, and now moving into our neighborhood, being present with us. Think about Buddy the Elf. What was he trying to do? Bring Christmas cheer to New York City. And he accomplished his goal. What was the purpose of Jesus, of God coming in the flesh to us 2,000 years ago? To bring us love. To show us the way of love. And now, just like Buddy the Elf wasn't always accepted, has Jesus always been accepted here on this earth? I mean, think about where Jesus' life led. His love was so great, so massive, so selfless, that it led him to the cross. Jesus comes to show us the way to love, not through words, but through a person, through physical presence. See, you can read your Bible, and you can find truth. You can read the story of Christmas, and you can find truth in that story. You can memorize the story. You can know exactly how many wise men went and what their gifts were that they offered to Jesus. You can probably tell me, because we just talked about it last week, what happened to the shepherds when they heard this message, and that they returned home with praise. You can tell me all about King Herod and how he was threatened by Jesus. You can tell me about Mary and her life and how she opened up her life to birthing the Son of God. But you can know all of these truths and still not experience the truth of Christmas. You can memorize all these truths, and you can be here on Christmas, but God can still still feel as if God is distant, as if God is absent. You can memorize the entire story of the Bible. You can put bumper stickers of Bible verses on the back of your car, you can just spit out Bible verses to your coworkers and Christian truths that you've heard in sermons, but you can still feel as if God is removed from your situation. You ever been here before? You have all these truths in your head, but it still feels as if the, the truth that you know up here, you're, you're not really feeling it. You're not experiencing it. In your life. And so you have these truths, but yet you still have these questions. Well, God, if this is true, well, then why does my life feel like this? If this is true, and I've read all these promises in the Bible, and I believe that they're true, well, then why aren't I experiencing the truth of these promises in my life? Now, who's heard of C.S. Lewis before? Great author, theologian, well-known writer of the Chronicles of Narnia, another series that we have just introduced our kids to. We started reading Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to them, and Reese cannot, he gets, he throws a temper tantrum when we stop reading. He, well, tell me what happens with the White Witch. I want to meet the White Witch. 
Edmund wants Turkish delights. When's he going to get more Turkish delights? I am not going to bed right now until you read me more of this story. Here's what C.S. Lewis says in one of his books. Meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms. When you're happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him, which often happens, when everything is going well, you're so happy you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. God, stop interrupting. Everything's going. I don't need you in my life right now. You ever been here before? Everything's going. I have no need for God. You're simply another interruption. Put up the do not disturb. God, leave me alone for a little bit. Everything is good. I'll come back to you when things start turning south. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? Go to God in those dark moments of life, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face, and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. You ever been here before? You're desperate. You go to God, and all you get is a door being slammed in your face. Yeah, C.S. Lewis is holding nothing back. He knows the experience of humanity. He knows what it means to follow God, to have a relationship with God. He knows what it means to be desperate and hear absolutely nothing but radio silence from God. Yeah, these words are raw, they're true, and we've experienced all of these symptoms, all of this in our lives as well. Here's John coming with a message, the message of Christmas. The word became flesh. God moved into the neighborhood. This is a promise of presence, a promise that the door will never be slammed in your face. God will never lock you out. Whenever you go to God, well, you don't actually even need to go to God because God is already there with you, which then raises the question, which uh, this is, oh, hold on. The question is, this is great for those alive in the first century, right? If you were alive in the first century and Jesus came and he was walking the earth and you had the incarnation of God walking around with you, this is great. But what about for us 2,000 years later? Because we read this story, we hear about the stories of Jesus and Jesus walking around the earth and healing people and extending love and grace and mercy to people and forgiving. And that's great if you were alive then, but what about for us now? How do we experience the presence of God? Because like C.S. Lewis, it often feels like the door is being slammed in our face. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Great for them, but what about for us in our lives today? I'm going to go back here. Matthew he has this to say about God's presence. All of this, the entire story of Christmas, it all took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Again, we have the promise of presence. What Christmas is all about, it's about this never-ending commitment that God has to us, this never-ending love that God has for us, which again is great for those in the first century, but for us today, we often wonder, we are left scratching our heads like, well, I, I, I don't know where God is. It feels like God is absent. So then the question becomes, how do we experience the love 
of God in our lives today? How do we experience the presence of God, the presence of God in our lives right here today? And here's the answer that I've come up with. The end of Matthew, remember Matthew right in the beginning begins with, this all took place to fulfill what the prophet said, Emmanuel, God with us. Here's how Matthew now ends. He begins with God's presence, and here's how Matthew ends. The 11 disciples, after Jesus had been resurrected, all the disciples, the 11 disciples who had been following Jesus, they went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. And I love the rawness of this. But some doubted. Because resurrection is really hard to wrap your head around. We'll get there in a couple of months. We're not quite there yet. Uh, Then Jesus came to them and he said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Here's how Matthew ends. And surely I am what? With you always. Matthew begins with presence. Matthew ends with with presence to the very end of the age wherever you go every breath you take until the final breath that you take God's presence is forever with you God's love is forever upon you wherever your feet tread there's nowhere you can go and yes it might feel like there's nowhere you can go where God's presence doesn't walk with you. So how do we experience this presence? The answer is right here. Go make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So Jesus gives this mission to his followers. It's called the Great Commission in many circles. He says, here's what you're going to do. You have walked with me for three years. You've seen me live my life. You've seen the healings. You've seen the love and the grace. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to continue living out this mission that I've been on. How will you continue to follow Jesus? By teaching others the things that you have learned from me, the things that I have commanded you to do. Now, this is where things can get a little bit wonky because sometimes we put all different commandments in place of what it is that Jesus is telling us to do and how we should interact with people and how we should tell people how to live their lives. But yet, what exactly was Jesus commanding the disciples? What were the commandments that Jesus is saying? Here, here's what I want you to teach other people. It's found right here in Matthew. Someone comes up to him, hey, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? To which Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest. And the second It's pretty much like it. Uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Love. Uh, Stand on a street corner and tell everyone they're going to hell. Tell your neighbor that if they don't go to church on Christmas, that uh, they won't experience the birth of Jesus. Hey, here's the greatest commandment. You're to love God and you're to love people. And the two go hand in hand. We go to the end of Matthew. I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to walk this earth, teaching others to obey all that I've commanded you. And in case you're wondering, what have I commanded you to go do? Simply to go and love other people. What you've seen me do, the grace that I've offered other people, the invitation into a life of love and of mercy and following God and of giving and sacrificing 
and of laying my life down for others, I, I, th- this is what I want you to go and do. Because as we offer love to others, that's how the presence of God is made known in this world. It's not by giving people a whole bunch of truths contained in words and pithy statements to remember, but it's by offering love to other people. And here's how I have seen it. Here's how I have witnessed it in my life recently. I mentioned this, I think it's actually day eight, so if you've been following along in my book, you probably have forgotten this by now because we are 13, however, 14 days removed from this one. A couple years ago, I received a phone call early in the morning from one of my friends, and I could just, you ever, someone calls you and their voice just feels heavy, and you know they're going through something. And I could just tell immediately, there was this sadness in his voice. He goes on, begins to tell me that he had gotten into a fight with one of his kids, and it it deeply affected him. He actually took off work that day, because that interaction had affected him at such a deep level. We talked for a few minutes, probably five, ten minutes. We just talked about the situation. He was able to tell me all about what happened, how he was feeling. Well, by the end of that conversation, when he hung up the phone, I could just tell he, he was a little bit lighter. His voice, th- there was still sadness, obviously, because of what had just happened. But it was almost as if there was this new hope that had been infused simply through that conversation. I didn't do much. I just listened. I listened. I offered to pray for him. And he, through that interaction, there was a transfer, I I would argue, there was a transfer of love. He experienced something, and it gave him hope to now go and re-engage with that relationship. I've been mentioning this over the past couple of weeks. Uh, For about a month or two, we have now been mailing cards to Lynn and Nicole. They sit right here in the front row. They both have not been with us for months because of various health complications. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to Lynn. I know my mom has talked to Nicole quite a bit. And every single time we talk with them, they say, hey, can you please tell the church how much the cards mean? I mean, I was talking to Lynn last week, and she said, you know, it's been pretty dark. And I've really been losing hope. And there was one day that was particularly hard for me. But then I received a card, and it brightened my spirits. And it help me to keep going on. Her situation was the same. She's still at home. She's still sick. She can't get out of the house. She still is dealing with all these health complications, but there was something about the card, the transfer of love, someone thinking about her, and it changed her perspective. It helped her realize, I am not alone. And then when I think about church, what is the purpose of church? Is it to come here, sing some songs, hear a sermon, and then walk back out the door and, okay, what are we going to do for lunch now? Or do we come to church because we want to experience a community of love? We come here because we want to be met by other people who want to just simply show love to us and join together, fellowship, community, join together because we are on this journey of learning who God is, how God desires for us to follow, and then to have these interactions where there can be a transfer of love and we can ask, hey, how's that situation at work going? Your family member, how's their health? 
hey, the thing that you told me about last week, what you're going through, how is that right now? Can, can, can I pray for you? Can I, can I just listen to what you're going through? And not to offer advice necessarily, but just to listen. When someone can offload some of the weight that they're carrying, uh, personally, I can say that is tremendously helpful. So when I think about church and what we're doing here, it's not just to sit in these comfy theater seats, but it's so that we can have interactions of love with each other to show us hope, to give us more joy, to offer us more peace. And so how do we experience the presence of God when Jesus is no longer walking the earth with us? Well, you are to be the presence of Jesus for others. You are to live your life in a way that when others interact with you, when others talk with you, they have an experience of love. Not love that they just hear about, but love that they can feel because that's what you want. You want to read your Bible because you want to learn about God, but more than just words on a page, you want to experience the truth that you're reading in your Bible. And I believe that's what others desire as well. An experience with God. And you, you are the conduit of that experience. God will be with you always to the very last breath you take. And you make that presence known to others. So the invitation for us as we wrap up this sermon in our entire Advent series, the final invitation is to experience the love of God by receiving love and then offering love to others. The invitation is to go and to trust these words of Jesus and to teach others all that Jesus has commanded, the way of love. Because surely, Jesus, the presence of God, the presence of Christ is with you Always, and what I love about this story, you have presence, then you have death, and you have presence after death. Because even death can't stop God's presence from being with you. We'll get there in a couple of months. We're not quite there yet. (laughs) And what we're going to do as we close Advent and as we celebrate Christmas, we are going to celebrate communion, Eucharist, the good gift of Christ given for our healing, for our salvation. We're going to experience that together. So I'm going to pray, then you can come forward, you can take the bread, you can take the cup, and be reminded of the gift of Christ that has been given for you, for your healing, for your forgiveness, for the love that is always upon you.